Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm the Smokemaster General, Mr. Trey Debman. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Hey, how many times today have you confused it for Tuesday? Is it not? Okay. <laughs> we record on Wednesday, just a little behind the scenes. But three times on three separate occasions today, I've had to remind different people that it was Wednesday. And uh, everybody thought, I think everybody in the world woke up thinking today was Tuesday. I was looking at my Outlook calendar all day because I've just been slammed. And it, I caught myself several times thinking I was late for a meeting that happened yesterday. Yeah, it's just, it's, for some, I don't know if it's atmospheric or what's going on, but for some reason it seems like today was Tuesday for everybody but me. Yeah. And I'll, that's because I, there's no way I'm suffering through two Tuesdays a week. <laughs> Tuesdays are my worst day. They're murder. So we got a guest tonight. Derek Purvis is joining us. Our first guest of an IMDb page. Well, how you doing? <laughs> this is pretty exciting. I have to tell you, um, I was thrilled for the invite, but then doubly thrilled when I realized it came with a free cigar. This is pretty cool. Thank you very much. Well, we always try to take care of our guests in, in lieu of payment. Yeah, and, and I'm just I'm just glad because by virtue of that I got I got one out of out of uh, I got caught up in the friendly fire so I'm I'm excited and we're actually smoking the same cigar tonight which is the Hiram and Solomon Veiled Prophet this is what Shane brought us um, come, this is the Monarch the six by fifty four it's got a Brazilian Araparaca Colorado wrapper over Indonesian binder filler from Esteli Paraguay. And Lajero Habano from Jalapa. That sounds yeah. good. Okay, so Hiram and Solomon is a Masonic cigar brand. Right. And I don't know how familiar everybody is with the Masons organization. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Only what I've learned from the Dan Brown books. Okay. <laughs> well, it's ancient, ancient order of men. Actually, one of mine and Derek's really close friends is a Mason. And I've been invited twice to be a Mason and have never wanted to ride the goat. It's it, it goes back to your evergreen saying you'd never be a member of a group that would have you. Right. I don't want to be part of any club that have me as a member. Well, they would have had me, except I can't remember the handshake, and so every time I have to start from scratch with them. Well, one of my old friend's father, who's passed away now, um, he was a Mason, and he was on his way to Memphis with his son for brain surgery and got, pull, his, got a flat tire on his car, pulled over to the side of the road, and flashed a, a mason symbol with his hands, one of those things they do. Flashed a mason symbol with his hand. A guy pulled over in a brand-new Cadillac and said, Brother, here's my car. Get your son to the hospital. Never wow. met him before in his life, but wow. because they were masons, here's my car. Get him to the hospital. I feel like doing the handshake on the side of the road could be a little dangerous. Could be a little bit. I don't know what the handshake is at all, but I guess that's part of the organization. You're, I they're I guess they're, they're not a secret organization. They're an organization that has secrets. Right. And all, but I'm also smoking a Hiram and Solomon. I'm smoking the Shriner, and this one's called the Holy Grail. It's an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Indonesian binder. The filler is a Raparaca, Habano, Jalapa, Habano, Ometepe, and Dominican. A lot going into this cigar. The, the same with this one, and I'm excited. I've always been a big fan of their cigars. I find it interesting, though, when you first put it down on the table, you it was labeled down. So all I can say, I thought you gave me a Perdomo. Doesn't oh, yeah. that look for the world like the on the back side of the cigar? It looks like a Perdomo label. 
Yeah, at a glance. And not a lot of not a lot of stores carry these. I had to get these in Murfreesboro from the humidor. They're the only people locally I know that carry high them at Solomon. Yeah, same. I don't know anybody else who does either. But outstanding cigars. I've really enjoyed them. And I thought we've, we've never smoked one on the show before. Tonight would be a good night to kind of share one with everybody. What do you think, Derek? You've got yours lit up. What do you think about it? Well, I'm not super finicky cigar smoker, but I will say that this pull, the draw on this is really steady. Um, and it's got a nice full flavor, but not too dominant. Like a, some cigars that I get into, maybe I have a lighter palate, I don't know. The, it can sort of dominate me. This one has a nice middle ground. It's nice. So I met Derek at Big Boys. He lives in Spring Hill like I do. And he started coming into Big Boys, and we just got to talking because, as you know, I'm, I'm the Labrador retriever of the cigar community. <laughs> I have to go make a friend of everybody I see. <laughs> how you, how you, how you <laughs> Is that a tennis ball in your pocket? Yeah. That's just that's just who I am. I'm the I'm that way. But met Derek. He's in the film business, and I'll tell tell people something about yourself. Oh, I like my cigar. Uh, yeah. I recently left Los Angeles. Well, not recently. I guess a few years ago, left Los Angeles. I, you know, finance and produce uh, major motion pictures. Um, lately, been getting into writing and directing a little bit more, which is exciting. Uh, brought my family to Tennessee to sort of raise them in a place where the two boys had a shot at being good guys. There you go. Uh, and I will say, though, I do remember the first time we met, I think I asked you for cigar advice. It was uh, in the humidor, and I got turned on to a pretty good brand at that time, and this one here is pretty good, too. He asked me for cigar advice in the humidor, and two hours later, he got a cigar and <laughs> right. <had> to leave. <laughs> but I left with a handful of good cigars, yeah, so that was, yeah. that was good. You said you got two boys. How old are they? Yeah, seven and four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Two youngsters, quite a handful. I, You know, uh, I'm a little bit older to be having young children. and One sympathizes. Yeah, and so I always say, by the time they're ready to leave the house, I'll be ready for the home. So it's a nice yes. bookend to my... Bring the walker to the high school graduation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Is that your granddad? Nope. That's that's your dad. Your your son. About the time he gets out of diapers, you'll be going into him, right? Yeah, I did the I did the <laughs> math on that recently, and uh, yeah, I think I'll be fifty five when he graduates high school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's just a little that's a little past the right sort of combination. Yeah. But I think it's okay if you have boys. It's only creepy if you have girls. Well, yeah. we've got that guy that brings his daughter to the cigar shop oh, every week. Yeah, every, yeah. later on tonight, you'll see this guy comes in with this very attractive young lady. We just assume he's bringing his daughter in here uh-huh. for a cigar. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah. Just assume that's what's going on there, and we're, we're, that's our story, and we're sticking well, so to it. So I guess it. I did it right. I had, I had my daughter when I was very, very young, that's and now right. I'm having my, my son while I'm older. Absolutely. Well planned. I'll, I'll, I'll yes. chime in on that. I'd, like well to, I'd love to take credit for that. Yeah, there was a lot of planning went into that. <laughs> <laughs> but moving forward. So Derek just came up here tonight. I wanted him to meet Trey and kind of get to know Trey because we're talking about doing an Internet show. And we'll kind of let everybody know as that gets a little further on about how much how much of that do you want to talk about? How much of that do you want to well, talk about? Well, I'd be excited to talk about all of it. But please, please do. Be, it'll be good for you. You'll be live on the podcast learning for the first time yeah but, let's do it uh we have a harebrained idea of doing the show called man talk all right i'm gonna have you get a little closer to the mic and the basic premise of man talk is just to give a safe space for grown-ups grown-up men to talk about things men like to talk about without judgment uh and and you know everything from hunting and cigar culture and you know gadgets and planes and cars and just things that we like to talk about uh, in a very straightforward, you know, talk format. Just picture the view 
but with rationality, logic, and for men. All right. I try to never picture the view. <laughs> How long have you been nursing this idea? Uh, when did we talk about it? Come okay, so it's, it's, six, a, it's six a fresh weeks. project. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, it was a while yeah. back. We, so we, we actually started a couple getting months. into it. Yeah. I, and I, I ask because I'm, I'm one of those that I'll come up with a creative idea, and then three years later I'll do it. Well, funny you should say that because this is this idea is fresh, but uh, I've had this idea to sort of branch out a little bit and get into digital content. Okay. Um, short form, long form, series, stuff like that, game shows, if I can get around to it. Um, just because it's, you know, that's where content is moving and, and have a host of ideas, and this is one of them, Man Talk. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things about the careers we have, and the, we'll get to cigars here in a minute. But one of the interesting... We talked about them at the top of the show. It's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, we said we're smoking cigars. That, that qualifies, don't it? And I so, recommend everyone listening probably should smoke a cigar with us. We well, actually aim to, for the show to be just shy of an hour because that's the average length of a cigar. Got it. Yeah, Glenn and I listen to every show, and usually it's exactly one cigar long. So it works out pretty well. Um, Do people ever tell you about the cigars they smoke and leave comments and that kind of stuff? Not as often as we'd like. Yeah, not as often as like. Anybody's welcome to. They probably should. If you smoke a good cigar, let Shane and Trey know about it. Better yet, send us one. Or say, yeah, actually, (laughs) send the guest a cigar. You've got to remember, this is an elaborate scam to get free cigars, (laughs) Derek. I don't know if anybody told you that. Now I'm on the inside. Now I get it. Let's see. Over four years, 240-some-odd episodes, we've gotten... 12 free cigars, so it's working. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> Eureka. And I'll, but the, what I was going to point out, the interesting thing about what a man chooses is his career. When you choose your career, every career comes with pitfalls when you tell people what you do. Yeah. And I'll, every time you tell somebody that you do movies, do they pitch you on a film well, or that's, a... <laughs> funny you should say that. Everybody seems to have either a brother, sister, nephew, somebody who's got a script and is trying to get into the film industry. Um, but I, you know, I can appreciate that because it's something that a lot of people have the idea to do, and it's fun, it's creative, it's, and it seems larger than life, and, and you know, there's glitz and glamour and all that. But the truth is it's really a blue-collar business. Yeah. It's, uh, if you go onto a movie set, it's uh, no offense to all my buddies, but it's a lot of plumber's crack and, you know, guys just sort of hauling cable and setting up lights and a lot of actors sitting around waiting for their 30 seconds to do their day's work. And um, a lot of people get scared away once they get on set and experience that. But uh, I don't mind people pitching ideas and stuff. I'm an idea guy. Um, it's when, you know... It's when the ideas aren't very good, and I don't know how to answer. <laughs> you know how to how to how to say well, something. What you got there is a loser, buddy. It, yeah, it's I, remarkable. I be, just send them to me; I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> it's remarkable how many people think that a good Sasquatch movie has to be made. I just well, now hold on. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> you're alienating your audience yeah. here a little bit. I don't My know if I will sit here and take this. <laughs> But is that your way of saying his pitch was really bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, Shane actually hasn't pitched me yet. Oh, I got a great game show, but we'll talk okay. about that later. <laughs> is it age appropriate? Can we we can talk about it on the podcast? No. Okay. <laughs> All right then. No, they, <laughs> you they, pitch it, it to only fans. The the title of it is and it's deep too. So okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moving forward, but no, because you know, being a home designer, 
When somebody says, what do you do for a living? I draw custom home plans. Oh, yeah, I've got this great piece of land, and it's got a giant oak in the middle, and I, I want to build the house around the giant oak. <laughs> right. And, uh, and the view is to the south-southwest side, five degrees, so that wall must be all out of glass. And I'd like to build it for about, oh, about $60 a foot. I figure that'll cover it. <laughs> but can we all take a second and appreciate the fact that we didn't choose medicine? Because my brother's a physician, and it's, will you look at this? And, and that's oh. not any way to spend a dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, every comedian I've ever talked to, he said that when he says, I'm a comedian, immediately they tell the dirtiest joke ever known to mankind <laughs> to him. <laughs> and also, it's, it's interesting, the careers we choose, yeah. how that kind of kind of goes into it. Yeah. See, that's where I'm lucky, because I tell people I'm a project manager, project manager and they go, what? They start snoring. Yeah, it's not like, This dip is really good. Mm. Yeah, no one knows what I do for a living. It's wonderful. If no, and I'm telling half people the, I'm a project manager. Half the time, I don't know what I do for a living. <laughs> Actually, I often answer, and maybe it's because I'm kind of a jerk, but uh, I'll often answer the what do you do question with I sell popcorn. That tends to nosedive the conversation pretty quick. <laughs> but it's not, it's not actually... It's not untrue. It's not untrue. In the old days good filmmakers, really the goal was to get people into theaters, and the theaters make all their money on the popcorn, and right. so they were excited to have your next movie the, based on how much popcorn they sold. So that was sort of a metaphorical way that's, to dodge it. That's the old joke about what does a hooker put on her tax report? report? Chicken farmer. Slip. Chicken farmer. <laughs> she raises... Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, moving forward, we're going to hit Is that from the game show? It actually kind of ties in. Uh-huh. But anyway... So, this is the earliest we've ever gone off the rails. I like it. <laughs> well, we're going to hit an article. I'm going to pull us back onto these alleged rails that may or may not exist. <laughs> and um, we'll come back because i got more questions for Derek as we move on through this. He didn't know I, I lined him up for this to interrogate him. German-engineered cigars, distribution switches to Illusione. So we've been talking about German-engineered cigars for how many months? Eight, nine our theory on the German engineered cigar is that it's going to burn perfectly, it's going to draw perfectly, it's going to look great, it, the construction will be flawless. And it but it's going to taste like a polka player. Yeah, it's, 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 there's going to be no taste to it. Great engineering, terrible on the, the visual design. Yeah, the, the, arc, the, the ideal portion of the cigar is going to be lacking. But if Illusione is backing them, and Illusione is just a top-notch operation, right. i got to think this is a good move. I think so, too. And although I am, you know, if Illusione was making the cigars, I would be a little bit more excited because how many times have you told somebody about Illusione cigars that has been a cigar smoker for multiple years? They've been in several humidors and they've seen the cigars but never noticed them. So it does make me wonder a little bit about that partnership for distribution. I I don't think it's that Illusione does a bad job of distribution. I just don't know that they... I, I, I'm curious how their reach will will boost this. Well, I think Illusione has kind of that basic bare-bones theory down because their bands are not real flashy, their boxes are not real elaborate. It's very um, utilitarian in their approach to how they deliver their cigars, so I could see that being appealing to that. Now, of course, I'm stereotyping all Germans for some strange reason tonight. Well, uh, but I think ever since we've been talking about this, that's kind of been the the lens through which we viewed this. That's kind of the running gag. Ain't it, it? it is. 
It's a bit low hanging fruit, I think. But no, I am excited about this, and and the fact that, you know, and I've talked about this before. For a long time, San Cristobal was the brand that I would look for in a humidor to kind of assess the quality and the level of that humidor. If you're carrying San Cristobal, you're doing something right. You're 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 really keyed in. And since they got bought by Ashton, and they're in just about everywhere now, the the new one for me is Illusione. If I see Illusione in your humidor, you know what you're doing. Yeah, it used to be Romacraft was kind of that way, <coughs> but the guys at Romacraft, man, their reputation is just getting raked over the coals. And that's ultimately what's doing it. And as a huge Romacraft fan uh, of their cigars, some of the some of the personality traits of their leadership leads me to. N- I don't want to say it makes me not smoke it as often, but it makes it harder for me to get out and fanboy for them. And I'm noticing I'm seeing them less and less often, and I think that's probably hand in hand. Well, I was talking to somebody about this the other week, and I I probably smoke more Don Gonzalez cigars than I would if I didn't know Pedro. Than anybody else, too, probably. Yeah, probably. Well, Derek smoked quite a few of them. They're excellent. I did have a question, though, and I apologize if it's ground that you guys have already gone over with no, yours. And do. I'm kind of a, uh, I've, I enjoy cigars. I'm a bit of a newbie, so it comes from that. But is there a term for when you're in the humidor, kind of like curb appeal in real estate? Is there a term for the visual appeal? And I wonder how many, for new guys like myself that are just getting into smoking cigars and understanding the difference between the wraps and stuff and learning that, I still kind of use my visual information more than understanding the brand and the wrap and the stuff. How important is the visual appeal? Because you're talking about I think that with the German I think it's no I think it's a really good question. I I think we've actually referred to it as curb appeal before. I don't think there's an industry specific term for Yeah it's so it's kind of a double edged sword. Some cigar companies um, like Gurkha spend a whole lot of money in marketing and their cigars aren't that great. Mm Mm-hmm and that's what you end up having happen. Um, now, some cigars like Perdomo are going to be good every time you smoke them, and they're going to look good sitting on the shelf. They definitely catch my eye. Everywhere I've seen yeah. Perdomo, it's like, oh, that's Perdomo. They don't also even... take up a lot of real estate in a humidor, so they, they are eye-catching for that reason as well. And then there's companies like Padron that don't have to do anything. They, right. just, they know they're the best. They don't care what their labels look like. They don't care what their wrappers. They don't put them in cellophane. It's, here's our cigar. And I would even go a step further on kind of the, the back inside of things, like Illusione, who, very unremarkable branding on the shelf. Uh, E.P. Carrillo is another one that their boxes are fairly unremarkable. And there's a lot to be said for putting the cost of the cigar in the cigar itself and not in the packaging. Um, and then, you know, Drew Estate is one that plays both sides really well. Their stuff looks great on the shelf. Their marketing is on point 100% of the time. And their cigars are good. And if I can indulge one more quick newbie question. Is there a reason to have the packaging be the tin cylinders? Does it keep them fresher or is that just part of this marketing discussion? There's as many answers to that question as the number of <laughs> okay. people you ask. Okay. So I do like the tubes when I'm traveling because they do offer additional protection uh, if they're in a suitcase or something like that. Do They are usually cedar lined, so you do get a little bit more moisture control than with, say, cellophane. Whether or not 
that makes a difference if it's going to be out of a humidor for less than a week. I doubt it. Got it. Well, and I because I am a cigar nerd, I kind of look at the practical side of it. That tube, that piece of cellophane costs a half a penny. That tube costs five, 50 cents. Yeah. That cost is getting passed on to me. So I, I'm not wild about spending money on the part of the cigar I can't smoke. You know, Tatawahi is probably the king of the no-frill packaging. Tatawahi don't even put what the name of the cigar is on right. their wrapper. You just kind of are spinning the wheel. Interesting of branding. It's <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah, the Tatawahe is great, but they they're very lackluster. They're probably too far on that end of the spectrum. Right. I think you at least need the name of the cigar <laughs> on the band. That's all I really ask for. <laughs> and because like the Monster Mash, the the box of the Monster Mash I got. It's great, but if you don't have the little key, you don't know whether you're smoking a Drac, a Frank, or a Wolf. Oh. So That's a makes, new sentence. <laughs> didn't think you'd hear that tonight. It's a big difference. So, yeah, it kind of can go both ways on that. You can get all the way to one end of the spectrum and then all the way to the other. Everybody kind of falls between Tatawahe and Gurkha. And I, I will say, just to put a little bit finer point on it, if you're in a reputable humidor like here or Big Boys or any of the shops around, the... The lackluster packaging is usually a good sign. Now, you can end up in a discount tobacco and beer shop, and maybe maybe not, but here I would always say anything where the branding isn't super pronounced is a good sign. Worth at least investigating what is it. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, you'll always find your sleepers like that. So speaking of another new cigar brand, Wildfire Cigars is releasing the single... So Jeremy McDonald was the national sales manager at Caldwell. We've told this story on the show, but I'm going to tell it again. And he went to Robert, and he said, I've always wanted to own my own cigar company. What do you think about it? And Robert Caldwell, to his credit, said, do it. Absolutely want you to do it, whatever we can do to help you. And so he launched Wildfire Cigars. And I haven't got to smoke a Wildfire yet. I, ha- I haven't yet either. And you said that the Abbey has them? Yeah, the Abbey has them. They had a big launch party there for them. And we're going to have to break down and go get them. But they're a little on the high end of the price spectrum. That yeah, fourteen ninety five price spectrum is a little high for an unproven stick. But if it's coming out of the Caldwell factory, that's that, that's usually a pretty good sign that that it's at least worthy of that price point. Well, and the good thing about the single that they're releasing for Wildfire Tobacco. They're only releasing it in one size. Love that. 7x50 Churchill. Love that. The Churchill is the king of cigar sizes, as I've decided. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to be a Gordo guy. The 660s used to only be what I smoked, but the podcast tray has changed me in the size of cigars which I smoke. And all. It's been a really interesting evolution how it comes through. But the single's going to be an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler. Uh, MSRP about fourteen dollars, box of ten, hundred and forty dollars, and if it's a Churchill seven by fifty, makes it a little easier to swallow that fourteen dollar tax. It, it does. You're getting a lot of cigar for your buck in that case. And I, I misspoke earlier. This is actually being made in the Hoya de Nicaragua factory, so that's a that's a feather in its cap. That is. That's a that's a great feather. So. Like going for it, I really want to try one of these. I don't know. I seen this article and I said I really want to be sure I get around to trying one of these in the in the coming days. So, is this your first Hiram and Solomon tray? 
No, but it's my first uh, whatever this one was called. I already lost it. Yeah. Veiled for, something. Veiled Prophet. Veiled Prophet. First of the Veiled Prophet. I know this is your first Hiram and Solomon, ain't it, Derek? As far as I can recollect, I defer to my earlier testimony on that. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. We it turned don't into hold a deposition. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't hold you to it that no, hard. Uh, uh, I believe it is, yeah. Just a good smoke. Always good. Because Hiram and Solomon is who made the one you brought back from Tampa, right? Uh, no, that was someone else. No, the um, the um, one I brought back from Tampa was the Hooten Young, Hooten Young, and it's made by Cordoba and Morales. That's right. And I, I still have had other uh, Hiram and Solomon's, but I was I was thinking they were the same. They, they remind they're very similar. Yeah, I kind of get Cordoba and Morales and Hiram and Solomon confused in my head. Yeah, and I guess it's because they both got an "an" in them. It must be. Something like that. But let's step away for a break. When we come back, how many bats is too many bats in your cigar shop? <laughs> Good question. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man. He just sold his home in Pigeon on eBay for the 22nd time, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> Have you seen, I like that. Have you seen the, uh, what was it? The guy that was selling solar powered clothes dryers on eBay for 50 bucks a pop? Selling a clothesline? Selling a clothesline. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's the era we live in. <laughs> It's it's the same as the guys in the big green colored suburbans that's, that park in the green car parking, green vehicle parking only. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I never I never park in the military parking, but I'll whip right into that pregnant mother parking in a heartbeat. There's another let... episode I can't let her listen to. All right. <laughs> I'll pull right in there. So we're back. We got Derek Purvis still here with us. Well, he didn't run off during halftime. No, I still have a lot of cigar left to smoke. And it's a good cigar, by the way. Really good. I recommend it. What are you over there shaking your head about? I was going to say the problem is pulling out of the front. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I stepped on your punchline. <laughs> hey. Well, I, I really seriously debated it. You may notice there's not a lot of pregnancy humor in my act. No, I have noticed that. <laughs> no, it's just not something that impacts my day-to-day life, <laughs> thankfully. And so... Derek, is, what do you call yourself? Do you call yourself producer, filmmaker? Um, well, to, I'm really known as a film financer, executive producer. I finance films traditionally. Uh, it's only the last handful of films that I've gotten into directing and writing and stuff. So what but does a that producer, invo- film producer. Does that involve you do the pitch to the, the people, or how does that? Well, I'm in a sort of a different category. Uh, I'm greenlight my own movies. So, okay, you can just so, stroke a check. Well, proper film financing isn't really just stroking a check. That's actually 85% of the people who make films make them upside down. And so if they have a $10 million budget, they look for people to give them $10 million. But you can actually create an asset class that you can leverage debt 
from institutional lenders like banks and stuff, and there's soft money. And so there's a lot of components that go into structuring the financing of a film that's not just stroking a check. How much has the Kickstarter type stuff affected that at all? Well, Kickstarter is really a... a and not them specifically, I just mean the crowdfunding in general. It's an indicator of a larger truth about filmmaking, which is the bar to entry is really low now, which is good and also has upside and downside. There's a lot of people who probably don't really need to be making movies that are making movies, but technology has made um, equipment much more accessible, easier to get, easier to use in both the production and post-production process. You can go to film school by watching a bunch of YouTube videos now. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a whole other conversation, I would imagine. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you can understand how to use the equipment. Right. Um, but learning the, the storytelling. is different, yeah. The mise-en-scene and the things that go into actually making a good piece of content is something you can only learn by doing, really. There's yeah. no, you know... Well, and everybody right now is raving about that Beatles documentary that came out on um, Disney. Could we have possibly needed to know anything else about the Beatles? I so, can't imagine. It's interesting you bring that up because <laughs> I have not watched it yet. But from early reports, you would think it was right up my alley. Apparently, most of the footage is just them sitting in the studio figuring out how to write the, their famous songs. So it's, it's a, it apparently doesn't move very quickly. Yeah, so see, it's a I'm lot out. of found footage. It's a lot of first time coming to air. I'm yeah, all about it. Yeah, I'm out too, actually. Yeah, now that the, I hear the description, I just want to see him on stage and like, you I'm, know, I'm bob my huge, head and sing huge along. Beatles fan. So for me, I find it, I, I have a feeling I probably, if it is like it was described to me, I probably won't make it all the way through because there's only so much of that that you can really stomach. But how much. How much of how the sausage is made do you really want to know? All. Not, See, I don't. Not, on, not, on everything. Not nearly as much as it's made available today. Yeah. See, Derek and I are on the same side of fence of this. I, I'm okay just getting the baby. I don't need the labor pains. You're, you're talking to somebody who has watched the entire 23-season run of how it's made no less than three times. Like, I, I like the behind the scenes. I like the why and the how. See, I'm, I'm the guy that skips the how it's made if it's not. I like to see machines doing repetitive things. See, I like the handmade stuff. Yeah, see, if it's the some machine- dude crafting a canoe, I'm gone. I'm out. The, <laughs> the repetitive machines is great to go to sleep. And, th- and that's when I watch it. I watch it to go to sleep at night. And so the, the, the repetitious machines, the little wheels that fill the jars of mayonnaise, like, I'm all about that. But if I'm actually trying to watch it, yeah, I want the handmade shoes and the hand-sewn parkas and the hand canoe. And My problem with the handmade stuff is I often don't really appreciate the end product enough. I'm like, well, I can get a better pair of shoes from, you know. Right. Yeah, you kind of... You kind of have to buy into a product like that. You know, one of one of my fishing rods I call the dead man's rod because a guy that was having this rod custom made and he died before he got it um, bought. And I bought it at a bargain. And I always assume it's a great fishing rod imbued with the soul of a long dead fisherman. So I can buy into it on that principle. Yeah. Well, and stories move us too. That's the other thing. Probably that's what draws you to the handmade stuff is more because there's a story behind it. Yeah. Well, and I'm a I'm a maker. I'm I I do a lot of sort of crafty kind of stuff and and I love 
making things with my hands, even if it's not as good as what I could have bought, there's there's something that goes in. You know, uh, you you put you put some of yourself into something when sure. you hand make it. Sure. Do you roll cigars? I we have been talking for years about buying some tobacco and get, trying it. Uh, I have no delusions of grandeur that we would you know be excellent to start because these are people that spend five years in apprenticeship. You know, but for the ones that we're buying in the humidor, I want to try it though. From what I understand, and you guys will probably, if you've, you've probably already covered this, so but um, beyond just craftsmanship, there's a real strategy to the way it's constructed. And, there is, and if you deviate from that, it changes the entire flavor profile. The entire changes the draw as well. Yeah, Change it. yeah. There's there's a lot. You know, the same blend of cigars put together in a different order will taste completely different. Yeah, it's it's more art than science, mm-hmm. but there's science involved. Yeah, and that's just the way it goes. But okay, let's get to the article we we teased before the. Um, I gave you that. I mean, we just we just had a, a beautiful dialogue that led us into the other article that, you, and you just totally stepped over the potential segue. I love this article. All right, I'm, I'm so enamored with this article. And by the way, Tampa Bay Times, I'm not subscribing. Be glad that I'm mentioning your your stinking newspaper. And don't shut me out and say I've seen my number of free articles. What is wrong with these Just people? Just clear your cash and cookies, and it'll let you back in. Is that what I have to do? Yeah. Okay. That's, that sounds pretty technical, but I remember the article well. It's, it's the same thing to do if you ever are looking for flights, and okay. you notice that the prices keep going up every time you search for it. Just clear it, and it'll, they'll go back down. See, I'm the dummy that pays the higher price. I'm like, oh, it went up. Damn. And I hit we, buy it anyway. We were in Italy a couple of years ago trying to get train tickets to go from... Uh, Bologna to Rome and there were six of us five of us sitting in a room trying to figure out which tickets to buy because their prices fluctuate like the stock market it's ridiculous (laughs) and it was it was one of it was just uh, constantly resetting cash and cookies and and hoping that we'd catch it was it was a nightmare were you worried that there's so many different devices active we're raising each other's prices that's that's what we thought was happening yeah Yeah. oh we got a couple suckers here let's keep it going Tampa Cigar Company to restore a prohibition bar that could have 10,000 bats. J.C. Newman Cigar Company wants to convert into a cafe, cigar lounge, and hotel. So this old building on East Columbus Drive in Tampa um, had several changes. Its last life was as a prohibition bar, and now they're looking to restore it, but they've got a bat problem. So, Is it a problem? I, I know you wouldn't consider it a bat problem. No, I think it would be cool. Yeah, I think I, it's kind of cool. I think you, you know, you could even. What's the? Uh, is it the Peabody where the ducks walk out yeah. every night? Couldn't that, you? You have everybody lights a cigar and watches the bats fly I think that'd be out brilliant. into the night. The the biggest issue you have, the also the thing is apparently bat guano is very uh, gross, lucrative. Oh. Apparently, you can sell it to. I think it's perfume manufacturers because it's always perfume manufacturers. Well, there's a or somewhere in the cosmetics industry, I think it is, uses it for a lot of their stuff. You can get uh, it's it's price per pound is more expensive than gold. So they've got a built in secondary revenue stream. Yeah, they just they just got to figure out how to keep the cigars and the bat guano separate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to smoke <laughs> that's, that. That's the only part that I would ask. I right. would hope they would keep those two things separate. Well, on the upside, don't I, if I'm unless I'm mistaken, but they're nocturnal. So during the day. When most people will come in and exactly they'll just be sleeping on the roof. Is that sort of the, the well? So they're so 
JC, the locals say there may be 10,000 bats. JC Newman says, no, don't worry about it. There's only about 5,000 bats. And the company that well, they're going to... now I feel better. <laughs> the company they're going to hire to catch them says, ah, oh, there's probably only 1,000 bats. How many bats is too many bats in your cigar lounge? <laughs> Good question. I also, I also want to know who they hired to go out there. One, two, three. Stop moving. One, two. <laughs> how do you get a proper count of how many bats? You, you find the most nervous guy, scaredest of bats possible, preferably an intern. <laughs> you send him up there with one of them little clickers. <laughs> this is the way you do it. I got to eight, and then I was done. Yeah. Yeah, there's somewhere between... This is a wide range. Eight between and 10, 1 000. and 10,000 bats up there. And my only question is, okay, say we left the bats. Say we sealed off the ceiling so that and put a gray, or gutter system in there so we could capture the guano. Do you think the cigar smoke would start affecting the bats? Do you think they'd, like, start watching Fox News and talking politics and <laughs> doing things like that? That's kind of my question, because I don't know enough about bats to know if there's a structural integrity issue with having the bats inhabiting the place or and how separate they are from the actual retail space. Because now, if, if someone were to say, we're going to convert this building and it's got 10,000 squirrels, just bulldoze the place. You're done. Oh. Do bats have that? I wouldn't think bats would have that same detrimental effect on the structure. Well, and bats are basically flying mice, right? So you kind of got that angle to consider. Yeah, so that's why I'd be I'd be curious if the concern is just interacting with the clientele, or if it's actually affecting the structure of the building, or if you really want to get rid of the bats, you release like five hundred mongoose up there. <laughs> well, now we're getting down. now we're getting to what I was wondering about, which is. What is the backlash going to be from the community for removing 10,000 bats? And that, isn't that their home now, probably, the, the argument that we'll get? You're right, because there's always that group of people, no, the bats, you have to leave them. It's the same thing with the honeybees, right? Yeah. Like, don't touch them, don't touch them. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a group that says, save the bats, save the bats. It's going to be showing up in, like, Batman costumes. and mm-hmm. it's safe. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm all for humanely capturing them. I can't imagine it's that hard. What's a, you know, what's a bat trap look like? I can tell you, capturing a bat is tough. Well, now, I've built bat houses at ponds before because bats are nature's uh, mosquito repellent. They eat tons and tons of mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. And so I can understand having the bats there. I mean, hey, you sit outside, smoke. You don't have to worry about mosquitoes. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds great. I'm I'm off. I'm a I'm a big fan of the bat, but yeah, I could I could understand if you were trying to start a business in a building that was full of bats, you might want to do something about that. You can really tell this is three dudes sitting here talking because if my wife, your wife, and Derek's wife are all three sitting here talking about this same, well, just can't you just kill get, the bats? Kill the bats? Can't you just yes, shoot that's, them? That's actually true. Can't <laughs> you just do? Which your wife's from Eastern Europe, ain't she? Yeah, she Latvia. Latvia. Yeah. yeah. I always want to say, you know, Latveria is the is the one Doctor Doom rule. Yeah, uh, maybe. In the yeah. <laughs> My wife is the her her she's the most pleasant person you'll ever meet. But when it comes to little vermin and rodents and stuff. Um, she she thrusts the broom in my hand and runs out of the room and expects me to, <laughs> to do your dislodge, thing. and. So I do, but I think you're right. It would be that would be the conversation: is well, how do we get them out of there? And no, we don't open a cigar lounge until they're gone. Right? Would yeah, be I think I think that with the good thing with cigar lounge, you'll smoke them out eventually. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, but I'm with you though. I think you you build them 
bespoke bat houses on the roof, <laughs> and you create, a th- you sell tickets to Sunset every night to watch them. Because I've actually paid money to go on a hike where you see the bats come out of the caves right at night. It's it's a tourist draw. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I think since you got the bats, you might as well use them. In between a thousand. And, okay, again, this goes Then back- you can do a documentary and you have a bat exploitation film. <laughs> well, this goes back to my, my insane premise about how animals mate. How do bats mate? Do they... I mean, there's wings and there's all that involved. I'm just, do they do it upside down? Very I hope quickly, they do it I would down. assume. But if they don't do it upside down, I'm not watching. <laughs> just <saying. laughs> I would guess that uh, that it's like most birds, where there's a lot of activity in the air, and then you finish in a very quick order on the ground. Do you sell bad eggs? <laughs> you sell bats don't bad lay eggs. eggs. What? Bats lay eggs. Bats are mammals. Yeah, they lay eggs. Platypus are mammals. Platypus lay eggs. Wait, platypus lay egg? Yeah, platypus lay eggs. Is that real or is that fun for fun's sake? That's real. Just They're the only mammal that lays eggs. Now I am officially confused about platypus. I watched a documentary by that great blind fiddle player Charlie Daniels about platypus, and he said that the platypus lay eggs. It's absolutely. Well, Charlie, Charlie Daniels is not known to be a liar, so I guess I believe it. That old blind feller could pick a fiddle. Now, <laughs> moving forward. And that's in Tampa Bay? It's in Tampa somewhere. Uh-huh. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Times for locking me out. I can't right. tell you. the. I can give you the address if you want to Google it. <laughs> 1601 East Columbus Drive. All right, so you run the next one because this is going to make me mad. Man oh. tries crafts in 64 cities in Tampa. He learned how to roll a cigar. Oh, it's reloading. What do you want to bet that I get locked out of this article now? So this guy, so we'll just have dead air till, yep. while Trey's phone reloads. So I remember the gist of this article. And all, is it reloaded yet? No. Okay. Humboldt's big... Arturo Fuente's cigar legacy is wrapped up in Hublots, or Hublots. What did we decide it was? Hublot. Hublots. Big Bang Ceramics. So this is a watch. So a lot of times in Cigar ta- Cast, we also talk about gear. Of course. And somehow high-end watches come into that more often than you would think. Golf clubs, boats. Golf clubs, boats, boats to a lesser degree. Aviation. Yeah, cutters, lighters, all that mm-hmm. kind of good stuff sure. comes into it. But the high-end watch, and my argument is the high-end watch is a dying breed. Because everybody wears a smart watch. Yeah. Why have a giant dive watch on that you never dive with? When you can have a watch that'll send you your text messages, your pictures from the ring doorbell, and everything like that. But I can order my lunch with. Absolutely. So this article is from High High S Nobility. High Snobbery? What is this? Anyway. Um, Arturo Fuente's cigar legacy is wrapped up in Hublot's Big Bang Ceramic. So they're making a watch in honor of Arturo Fuente. Um, they talk about the legend of Carlos Fuente and how iconic he is in the cigar industry. And they decided to immortalize him in a watch. And this is a picture of the watch, Derek. And does anything about that make you think cigar? No, actually. It's quite busy, quite gaudy. It kind of looks like uh, the guy that wants to be ex-CIA. The guy who yeah. has a tall tail <laughs> sound sort of... So the bezel has what looks like kind of a relief 
of a tobacco leaf. So that's where that comes in. And the Roman numerals are the same font used on the Opus X boxes. Okay. So that's where, that's the tie-in. Is the color scheme similar? Is the black? Not really. No? Well, and here's my question. If I'm going to buy and go, because I'm sure if it's it's art. Arturo Fuente, it's going to be a super expensive watch. They don't have the well, price of the watch in this article. Hublot's expensive, too. I bet, what, eight, ten grand? At least. Yeah. If I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to buy it in honor of Arturo Fuente, I would like for, him, for the average person to walk by and say, hey, nice Fuente watch. Yeah, like his profile maybe emblazoned or the yeah. logo emblazoned. Yeah, or the, even the color schemes that they color use scheme. on the Opus. And I'll maybe even, you know, have you seen the watches that have the little flame that comes out of them as a cigar lighter? That would be awesome. That would be, no, I haven't seen it, but is that a real thing? Oh, yeah, they have the little watches that have a flame, and you just touch a button, flame shoots out of them, and you can light your... My father instinct immediately goes to the danger that that presents. Exactly. But well, once I get past that... Once you lose all the hair off that arm, it really is not I that big a deal. I didn't need eyebrows anyway. No. So. so it's really not that big a deal, but I'm just wondering why... I guess why is the question I ask on this, but I'm just not a watch guy. We're going to have to get with one of our cigar local cigar reps is a huge watch guy, and we're going to have to follow up with him and see exactly what his theory on this is. Yeah, I tried everything. I can't get that article up. You can't get that article up. So this man has went. I'm going to tell it anyway because yeah. I remember it from last week. Daniel Sedequai, um, had never held a cigar until he rolled one at Ebor City's J.C. Newman Cigar Company last week. So this guy is going around the country to 64 cities to do the specific craft each of those cities has involved. Um, so is he going to come to Tennessee and get drunk on Main Street or on Broadway? Well, only if he's in a bachelor party. Yeah. And the article went on to explain some of the other things. He's done. It's cool, but is it really worth writing an article on? I think so. And I'll, but why? What's the? I mean, I, again, as we were talking about earlier, like I'm, I'm big on doing things with my hands, especially craft type, th- you know, things that are sort of craftsman derived. Like we've talked many times about how cigars are an artisanal product, and I think there's a lot to be said in a world that is more and more going the way of Amazon and cheap reproduction and mass-produced instant gratification to step back and go to the handmade, bespoke, sort of old-world crafts, I think I do think there's a story there. And I do think that's a, a worthwhile endeavor. So if you could go anywhere and learn how to do anything, and we're going to eliminate cigars from this. Okay. Anything other than learn how to roll a cigar. And you could go learn a craft somewhere. What would you go learn? I watched an episode. So uh, James May, formerly of Top Gear, did a series for Amazon last year where he went to Japan. And one of the things he got to do was go to the Yamaha factory in Japan and build a piano. And that, I thought, was really cool. You know, we've got... The Gibson Guitar Factory here in town, I think that would be very cool. Uh, I've always had a tremendous love for uh, the hand craftsmanship that goes into good musical instruments. You know, to, mm-hmm. to that extent, going to the Honer Factory in Germany and building an accordion, I think that would be a lot of fun. And what is, a trivia question, what is the name of a guitar maker? Luthier. Luthier. Excellent. 
Well done. I would have had no idea. See, I'm with you on this one, actually. Whereas earlier, watching the handcrafted on a YouTube video was kind of dull for me. I think what's, what's different about this one is the experience of it. And to have planned a, a trip to experience some, and I'm assuming it's he's doing different things besides just roll cigars. Yeah, yeah. So he's doing each city's top craft. I think that's kind of cool, actually, and I think it's something that's worth sharing in an article, and maybe a, you know, something visu- visual would be cool to. I think it's cool, but I think I'd keep it quiet. I'd do it just for me. Yeah, the um, you know, but oftentimes with things like this, the 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 news finds you. It, it's very rarely the person doing the thing that tells everyone what they're doing. It's usually the the social network that calls ahead and things like that. You know, wh- something that I actually plan to do at some point in my life, not far from here in Blue Ridge, Georgia, there is a company called Oyster, and they do fly rods, bamboo fly rods. Every single one of them is handmade, and they do a thing where you can actually buy, I think they're usually booked about two or three years in advance, and you can, for a weekend, go in and they teach you how to build your own bamboo fly rod. And these fly rods retail for about $1,000. And for significantly less than that, they teach and they make sure that everything you build is, is as good as what you would buy in their shop. And you get sort of lifetime access to their clubhouse. Like, there's a lot that goes, like, I absolutely want to do that one day. What would you like to learn how to do, Derek? You know, I was going to ask you that. So I would either be a leather worker or a blacksmith. Leather work has always fascinated me. I've always loved it. My love of the outdoors and the animals and all that stuff. To be able to, because if, if I'm gonna like if I was gonna make a buffalo hide wallet, I want to go shoot the buffalo. I want to skin the buffalo. Mm-hmm. I want to eat the buffalo, and then I want to make the wallet tan the hide, hide and and go through the yeah yeah you know either either that or a robe. But if I make a buffalo skin rope, I'm leaving the horns on for the hood. Right. And I'll me standing by the firelight wearing nothing but my buffalo robe. Hey, what you do in the privacy of your own home is up to you and your wife. I'm just saying. And I'll, or, you know, leather work just fascinates me. It does me too. And blacksmithing does, but I'd have to like follow a renaissance fair for two years. You can do the living history museums, the frontier day stuff. You can go out west to like Phoenix area and you can do like the frontier town blacksmithing. You don't just have to do the renaissance fair stuff. Well, and I don't want to shoe horses. I just want to make knives. Yeah. Well, they do a lot of that. Yeah. I, I, would, I would like to shoe, or not shoe horses. I'd like to make knives and do things like that. But believe it or not, a blacksmith doesn't shoe horses. That's a farrier. A blacksmith right. specifically makes armaments and weaponry and now decorative stuff, too. So the farrier, does the farrier make the shoes, or does he have a blacksmith make the shoes? He makes the shoes. Because each shoe is custom fit to that individual horse's hoof. Interesting. I had no idea. I had no idea about that. But See, this is what happens when you branch out and you watch three-hour cures from insomnia. Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well... So let's talk just a little bit. We're coming to the end of the show. Let's kind of land the plane. Let's kind of wrap up. So what's your vision on Man Talk? Man Talk is not too dissimilar from this, just expanding from being sort of cigar-centric to more stuff. For example, my answer for what I would like to go learn is I'd actually like to go learn how to bore a rifle uh-huh. and, and craft the really good, you know wooden stock and make a rifle i'd like i'd like to learn that and so man talk uh here's the thing is i think that there's a lot of 
there's a lot of cultural uh, discussion about masculine toxicity and you know that sort of stuff and and I just want to have a place where it's okay to be a man it's okay to have a diverse set of ideas and opinions and to talk about things that interest us but not feel you know like we don't have a space to do that well and when I speak of masculine things you know I've always talked about man card academy and teaching skills that need to be taught and for some reason everybody assumes when I talk about that that I'm excluding women because I have no because of some sort of discrimination Mm -hmm. well we've we've reached a point where by and large a lot of people like to assume that if you're talking about a specific group that you're excluding all others and that's not always necessarily the case And and, and that's one of the things, you know, oh, I love oranges. Oh, so you hate apples? I didn't say that. I said I loved oranges. You know, it's that kind of, and I think the Internet has made it really easy for people to start taking those sort of really weird ad hominem approaches to, to things like that. Yeah. Well, and I have no doubt that, you know, a young man needs to know how to change a tire, needs to know how to grill a steak, needs to know how to order a drink. A young lady needs to know that also. But my history of teaching ladies anything is so slim and narrow, I'm not the person to give forth that instruction. Do you know what I spent part of my Saturday last weekend doing? What? Teaching my daughter how to drive stick. See? That's a great great man talk thing. In fact, one of the segments for the show is called Things Our Fathers Taught Us. Yeah. How to Change a Tire used to be one. I don't know if it's still one today, but it seems like, uh, you know, most of the younger generation has a difficult time with some of that stuff. Uh, and things that our fathers tried to teach us and we didn't learn. Right. You know, the mistakes that we make. I'm curious, kind of a cliche on that, and not to, not to take us down the rabbit hole too much. I remember growing up watching sitcoms, and there was always the trope of the dad teaching the son to shave. Did either of your dads teach you to shave? Absolutely. Yeah, my grandfather. Really? I didn't really have a father figure, so uh, to speak. Okay. But my grandfather was as close to what I had, and and but he had he had the old leather strap and the straight razor, and he had you had to put water onto a uh, brush yeah. and make your foam, and so that's what I was taught. Uh, but absolutely, um, I feel like that's something that doesn't really happen anymore. I was given an electric razor for Christmas one year. Just have fun. Yeah, see, my my father, my father was really good at that part of life. That was a part of my life of my father that he was great at, was teaching me how to clean a fish, how to skin a deer, how to mow a yard. Mm-hmm. I think my dad didn't like to do chores, but <laughs> <laughs> and how to shave. Yeah, I think that is so much of passing down chore-like items to our kids is mostly so we have somebody else to tell to do it. Yeah, should well, I go skin those fish? Can't wait for the day when I say to my to my kid, go make dinner. I, I love cooking, but every once in a while, you just want to pass it off to somebody else. Mm. Be nice yeah. to hand it off. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast, and email info at the cigarcast.com. So rate the Hiram and Solomon. So, Derek, our rating scale for cigars, I'll cover this briefly. Um, it only goes to seven, because if it goes to ten, too many people choose five. And we, had, we did a whole show where we argued about the middle of seven. But anyway, number one is you'd only ever smoke it again if it was offered to you by a grouchy third world dictator. Number seven is you'd break your arm to get another one. So what do you rate it, Trey? I'm at a six. 
It's a solid six. That cigar is a solid six. It, it could probably opinion. go above six. It can't go below six. It's it's every bit of six. Uh, for me, three and a half is out of the question. Is what you're saying? So three point five is no good. No, okay. you can do a point no, I'm five. Just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually really think it's a good cigar. Um, it lasted really well. The the I've noticed in some of the cigars that I smoke, it tends to get a little pungent towards the end. A little. I don't know if that's the right cigar term. I apologize. Uh, this one has stood up really well. I would smoke this again uh, a lot, actually. Um, so I would probably say five or six, five, five and a half, six. So I'm smoking the Shriner, which is a different blend right. than what y'all were smoking. The Shriner, it's definitely a six all day long. I probably couldn't be argued up to a six and a half, but I definitely couldn't be argued down below a six. Right. So just a, a good, just a great smoke. The price on these, they run, you know, the 10 to $12 range. So not bad. So, so mine's a solid six good. knowing that, and I go right to right solid six. Yeah, yeah the, the only downfall of this cigar is the availability. And Hiram Solomon's probably one of those companies that makes all the cigars they're going to make, and they've already got them allocated. Yeah, I don't see them expanding significantly anytime. No, I don't see them making a big push in the market at right. any point. So. You kind of got to ding it a little bit for availability when you start mm-hmm. talking about that. But I, I definitely think it's a solid six. Well, Derek, thanks for coming and joining us Thank tonight. you so much for having me. I Enjoyed really appreciated it. it. Had a lot of fun having you. You guys are a blast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, until next week, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great cigar and think well of us.